Welcome to the garbage pod. One pod, one load of garbage. 29 and 28. Remanded in custody. There's something ripping curious about this broadcast. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 31 of the Garbage Pod, which is the second part of our Mock the Afflicted podcast. Basically, what we have here is the, what was left of Beer Show Jimmy's time on the Garbage Pod, and it was the stuff that didn't actually flow with other bits and pieces. It doesn't mean to say that it's garbage, because it's not. There's some good stuff here. It's just that it didn't go with other bits and pieces, it seems to flow with what was left, strangely. So, without further ado, take it away, Mr. Taylor. I thought I'd talk a little bit about uh, what we've been up to on the show uh, recently. I, I know you've been uh, listening to a few of our podcasts over the few months. I, I thought I'd better, yes. <laughs> I, actually, I was going for the beer one the other day. I'm really surprised that the response that I've been getting from people on it and... Um, it's far too many people to thank. I have thanked them at the end of the podcast, but you know there there are a lot of people to thank, and Letchworth have done me proud, really. Just say cheers, mate. <laughs> um, yes. But yeah, uh, as I said, the last time we did a, a show in the studio, it was, it was with Ivan Seth from Camera, um, and before that, uh, when we did a proper show, it was back in May, uh, when we were predicting or uh, well, trying to predict the uh, Eurovision Song Contest entries. <laughs> And uh, we did lousy, so we won't go into that any further. I think everyone did lousy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think out of the seven or eight that we chose, I think one actually got anywhere, and that was number four. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is literally a show to make a fool of themselves in, isn't it? It's, it's got an embarrassment factor rather than a talent factor. Yeah, that and... Um, you can always tell what's going to happen, judging by what's happened in the news with a few weeks leading up to. So it's it's more of a case of who are we annoyed now <laughs> yeah, to see there, who yeah. we're going to get votes for. You know? Let's so. see how the judges vote, you bastard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Since then, we've, we've done quite a lot. I mean, we did the, the food festival, we did the Hitchin Beer Festival, both of those with um, Alan Taylor Shearer from uh, 1800 Online, uh-huh. who I'm actually working in conjunction with uh, at the moment because um, I'm helping him with his website and, and things through my other subsidiary, my uh, Spamhead Productions, who actually do the production on your podcast as well, don't they, Adrian? Yeah, and they do a fantastic job every week, sir. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> the checks in the post, yeah. <laughs> Um, I understand things have been happening for your uh, podcast lately. Yeah, we went to the big fan event in Trafalgar Square. We went to the big fan event in Regent Street. Did a bit of reporting on the street for that. Um, also recorded a podcast while I was out in Chicago. Um, I won't bore you too much with that, but uh, I had a fantastic time. Great time for my birthday and uh, met someone who I'd only started idolising this 
facing this season. So, uh, fantastic time all round, really. And, you, and you've had some guests on the show recently as well, haven't you? Yes, we have, actually. Yeah, that's a, a good point. We've had two guests on recently. We've had a member of our Fan Zone Hall of Fame from the Lowdown blog. Uh, we had Richard Lloyd, our Jacksonville Jaguars Hall of Famer. And we also had... Dana O'Gorman from NFLfemale.com and also the presenter of Wednesday Night with NFL Female, so on Blog Talk Radio. So it's onward and upward for the, for the spitball then? Absolutely, yeah. We're hoping to get a few more guests on before the end of the year. Still haven't quite figured out who they're going to be yet, but uh, we're working on it at the moment. We've got the uh, people working hard away trying their book as a guest, so uh, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> That's fantastic. Didn't you two guys do a, um, a railway line walk? Uh, that was Avon, I think you might be referring to. Jimmy, that was oh, like that was the tramway. Yeah, that Avon was just block. myself. The tramway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, in Stratford, Stratford-upon-Avon. Oh, Stratford. Okay. Um, I found that incredible. I was listening to that, and um, what I tend to do is I go on Google Maps on the satellite view and try and follow you. It's a bit difficult on that one because it is very, very tree-lined. And you, you lose half of it as you go around. Mm, yeah, I mean, but it's a great thing to do because you can actually relate to what you're seeing. Although, admittedly, I did get lost and ended up on a motorway. <laughs> oh, yeah. So did Mark. <laughs> well, it, it does happen. I do get lost very easily. My um, my built-in sat-nav sat doesn't work very well. But uh, they yeah. they orienteering at, at Quarrenden then? Um, no, we did road running, but that was quite handy because the route went right past our back door, so I used to pop in, get something to eat, and come back out again. So it was, that came in quite handy uh, until it got caught, but that's another story. Yeah, so we've done a hell of a lot, and um, we've got some other bits and pieces in the pipeline um, for Christmas. I won't go into it too much, but it's going to be, uh, it should be very, very, very good, a lot of fun because uh, there's going to be a few people involved in that so um watch this space basically Crichton, what are you doing man oh sir i'm listening to the garbage pod it's a podcast i found in the potosphere this is the bbc home service here is the news now i've got a story here and um it's a it's a local story an 11th hour decision has seen a, a pub firm backtrack on plans to name a refurbished boozer after Welling Garden City's founder after being told he was a Quaker and would not have approved having his name associated with a pub. The cork in Howardsgate was going to be named after Sir Ebenezer Howard before the U-turn days before it opened. The Stonegate Pub Company decided to change the name of the bar after Welling and Hatfield Times contacted them revealing a Garden City grandee was unhappy with the moniker. Dr Dennis Lewis, who organised the recent Heritage Fair, fair, said, I think that it was a diabolical liberty to name a drinking establishment after someone who, as far as I know, abstained from alcohol and took a very dim view on those who didn't. Former Mayor Helen Bromley was also left cold by the rebranding. She said, I did speak to the manager and thought it was in very bad taste and that it wouldn't be taken well. A spokeswoman for the firm, after listening to the views of the community in Welling, have decided to change the name of the pub to the Two Willows. Roughly £240,000 has been ploughed into the makeover and Stonegate said that they had created eight new full-time jobs and four part-time roles. The pub has been closed while the work was carried out during the rebranding and we have spoken to staff uh, at the at the cork 
as it was, uh, uh, for our In Search of the World's End trilogy podcast. <laughs> the Two Willows was opened on the 18th of uh, October. A similar scenario happened, as I mentioned this before in uh, on the Garbage Pod, where a Letchworth pub decided to change its name from the Orange Pelican to Ebenezer's, uh, which went down like a Led Zeppelin. Uh, <laughs> since then, the pub has been bought by Green King, and in a dodgy deal with Tesco's, has become a Tesco's Express. Oh, yeah, typical. That's it's something that's happening all over the country because um, any ex-pub has automatically got a drinks and food licence. Yeah. So Tesco's has the advantage that it can be converted very quickly without getting special permission. Well, Ivan from camera said the only thing they have to apply for permission for is an illuminated sign because you have that's... to have special permission to have illuminated yeah. signage. Because the change of purpose is so minimal. Yeah. That's, that's a sad um, thing. And it's a sad that pubs change their names because often... Their names had a message in history. There was a reason for it being called XXX rather than... I mean, the Pelican, how the hell did that come about? Yeah, and an orange one at that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd have to find out about that, to be honest. Yeah, that sounds interesting. But, uh, yeah, to name a pub after someone who was dead against drinking, well, <laughs> bad <I> idea. Think, <laughs> yeah, I, I can sympathise with that, and I'm glad that the um, the pub or whatever took on the people's views, which is it's great that they're... They would actually get support because of that. There was a great one in, in Aylesbury. Uh, there was a pub that opened called the Aylesbury Duck. The one in Bedgrave is this, or is this the one down towards... The Aylesbury um, Duck, it's on Jackson Road. And the thing is, when they first put the, the sign up for the pub, uh, I don't know if you know, Jimmy, Aylesbury Ducks are predominantly white with a kind of a yellowy beak. Yeah, very tasty they are too. I um, mean, yes. <laughs> it was a picture of a mallard. <laughs> Oh, for goodness, no. <laughs> now that is a classic. Right. I've got uh, another story here. Has anyone heard of Wintex Cymex 83? Is it some sort of lotion? It does sound like it should be uh, something you clean the windows with. Um, it's actually an abbreviation for the Winter Exercise Civil Military Exercise 1983 which was a wargaming exercise which worked through potential scenarios in in case of World War Uh III. A document released by the government under the 30-year rule includes a speech devised by Whitehall officials for a hypothetical broadcast at one of the most fraught um, Cold War periods. The script has the Queen describing the threat to the brave country as greater than any other in history. And she was also expected to urge Britons to pray and remain united and resolute uh, in the event of the madness of nuclear war. The broadcast was never recorded, but here's a reconstruction of what it would have sounded like. When I spoke to you less than three months ago, we were all enjoying the warmth and fellowship of a family Christmas. The horrors of war could not have seemed more remote. Now this madness of war is once more spreading through the world. We all know that the dangers facing us today are greater by far than at any time in our long history. The enemy is not the soldier with his rifle, nor even the airman prowling the skies above our cities and towns, but the deadly power of abused technology. My husband and I share with families up and down the land the fear we feel for sons and daughters, husbands and brothers, who have left our side to serve their country. It is this close bond of family life that must be our greatest defense against the unknown. 
if families remain united and resolute, giving shelter to those living alone and unprotected. Our country's will to survive cannot be broken. My message to you, therefore, is simple. Help those who cannot help themselves, and let your family become the focus of hope and life to those who need it. As we strive together to fight off the new evil, let us pray for our country and men of goodwill, wherever they may be. God bless you all. It very much reminds me of when um, was it Orson Welles did War of the Worlds in America. Oh, yes. On the radio, and people came in just missed the beginning. And the panic that caused was absolutely tremendous, apparently. Yeah, I've heard uh, little bits of that, and it did sound real. Mm. It really did sound real. Now, amongst other pieces of history released in the archives under the 30-year rule, uh, Margaret Thatcher blocked a 21-year-old William Haig from a potential job as a treasury advisor, saying his appointment will be a gimmick and could prove an embarrassment. <laughs> How right they are. <laughs> Something that was released, actually wasn't that long ago now, was... Um... That uh, about the the chap who used to play Montgomery, the soldier, the um, commander. He was an actor. Oh yes. He used to go around with, um, doing speeches to the troops, and they all thought it was a genuine man. <laughs> and um, there was a film made of that, and the chap who impersonated played the impersonator. Oh right. So he actually played. He cameoed his own part. Oh, and strangely enough, he used to live in Worthing. Oh wow. Yeah, so he's a local resident. <laughs> Um, the, the other things on the list were government officials considered deliberately flooding Essex and Kent to prevent London from being swamped by a tidal surge as it waited for the Thames barrier to be completed. I have no problem with that. That would have saved us all a lot of problems. It would have done. That would have been, there would have been any, uh, the only way is Essex, which would have been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, what would, what would Joey have done, bless him? <laughs> Oh, so there's nothing like flooding two counties to save a city, is there? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the needs of the many. Yes. <laughs> Outweigh the needs of hot pickers, apple growers. Yeah. That, that's it. <laughs> that would have been caused a complete outrage because there would have been no cider and beer. Exactly. And, and so, every Englishman's right is a pint of beer. <laughs> well, that's why the pubs were kept open during the war. Yeah. To keep people happy. Yep, and cold points at that. You know, let's dispel this rumour that, that some people have that we drink warm beer over here. Room temperature. And it's England, so room temperature is quite low. This is yeah, correct. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yes. The UK sent a laser weapon designed to dazzle Argentine pilots during the Falklands War. <laughs> I think kids, right. kids still do that today, don't they, with those laser pointer things? Exactly. <laughs> reports at Heathrow, wasn't was it? I'm sure it was at Heathrow, wasn't it, where pilots were complaining that um, that people were using laser pens and they were they were basically losing their vision for like a second or two while they were trying to land planes. That's I'm it. I'm sure that made the news recently, oh, didn't it? Yeah, I'm, I remember something like that. Yeah, it is an ongoing problem and always has been ever since they invented the damn things. A flight for pointing out stars in the sky but shouldn't be used to blind pilots. It's kind of a rather... It's one of those things that you, you think when you're when you're young, you think it's a cool thing to do, but then when you get older, you're like, if I'd have blinded that pilot and killed 300 people, how would I have 
Live with myself. Yeah, a friend of ours uh, kind of did something similar. What did Dave do? <laughs> Why, how did you know it was Dave? <laughs> he was cleaning out the boot of his car one evening and a helicopter flew over, a police helicopter flew over and started um, shining their light down at him and he got annoyed and he's got one of these one million candle watt torch things, plugged it into the car and shone it back up at them and said, yeah, I can do that as well. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what happened then? Um, uh. They kind of had a go at him. They, they put the, the loud hailer thing on and told him not to do it. <laughs> Good old Dave. It could have been worse, though. He could have had the one, because he's got the, the little filter that he puts on the front of it that makes the Batman symbol go into the <laughs> sky. <laughs> yeah. No, that would have been brilliant. <laughs> Especially if he turned up. <laughs> <laughs> so it about, can you imagine if it's David Jason, because he lives nearby? <laughs> yeah, he does. He only lives in... It... I think it's Risborough, isn't Princess it? Princess Risborough, yeah. David Jason lives in Princess Risborough. Yeah, running up their Batman and Robin outfits. That would have been brilliant. Right, I've got another story here. Uh, the film, the, the Railway Children, receives its first complaint after 42 years. Go on. Well, the train was late. <laughs> <laughs> well, after 42 years, it took 42 years well, that, to get here. That, under under the, the latest uh, statistics, that's um, actually on time, I think. <laughs> Within the realm, yeah. <laughs> and most people would think that one of the most unobjectable films ever made um, uh, was The Railway Children, but... Film censors revealed that the Railway Children had received its first complaint after 42 years. It was not the sugary sentimentality of the film or Pete, young Peter's bucket of water on the door prank with the maid, not even Jenny Agatha's boldly whipping off her red bloomers to prevent the crash. No, the British Board of Film Classifications said a correspondent had raised concern that seeing Jolly Japes of three Edwardian children might encourage children to play on the railway tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, um, no. <laughs> it goes beyond comprehension, isn't the, the it? Chances are people that are actually watching the railway children are not going to be children anyway. <laughs> no, and yeah. you'd soon learn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's the, crazy. The, the editor the, at the uh, classification board said one of the pleasures of the job was seeing old films that were resubmitted for modern classification. In the case of, case of the railway children, it still remains a U rating. We, we, we completely disregarded the complaint. Uh, well, the, we should. The biggest number of complaints last year were directed at the woman in black that starred Daniel Radcliffe with 134 uh, complaints complaining that it was far too scary and un unsettling for a 12A certificate. Oh, I've never seen it, so what's it's, uh, apart from the it's, obvious? It's a jump, it's one of these films that makes you jump more than anything else. It's, it's not, I don't think it's that scary. After that, Men in Black 3 attracted 50 complaints for its <laughs> language, violence, horror, and sexual innuendo. <laughs> but that was what, a 12A or a PG? Uh, that was. Uh, 12A, I think, that one. Uh, and The Hunger Games received 43 complaints with objections to the mu movie being about child-on-child -child violence and being given a 12A rating. See, now the 12A rating, 
because it's obviously supposed to stand for 12 adult, right? Yeah. Which effectively means you have to be over 12 and with an adult, or just over 12? I think you've got to be over 12. Content. Yeah, you've just got to be over 12. Because to be fair, the, I've always kind of believed that they shouldn't have bothered putting that rating in anyway, because when things were UPG 15 and 18, things were pretty straightforward. Yeah. And... Uh, it kind of makes life easier. You're more likely to know whether someone's 15 than whether you are they are 12. See, with the PG rating, anyone can go in to watch it. Um, it's just parental guidance. So if, if your parents consider it okay for you to watch, because, I don't know, you might be more mature than somebody else, then that's fine. Well, I thought a PG meant that you had to be with the parents to go and watch it. Yeah, but it's parental guidance, meaning it's up to your parents whether you view it or not, really. Yeah, the absolutely. Yeah, and then 15, obviously that speaks for itself, and the same with 18. Mm. And there's no need for anything in between, is there? The whole, I, the I, whole concept I of a 12A rating seems pointless. It, it was to go in par with the American 13 rating. Which, again, is ridiculous. Mm. It just seems it just seems silly. They just need to strip it out and just go back to old school, and then you won't get the complaints. And uh, ultimately, if if kids want to go and see it, and they're that adamant about seeing it, they'll go and see it anyway, or they'll wait till it comes out on DVD, and their parents will still rent it for them. So the amount of kids that tried to get in to see The World's End. Oh really? Yeah, especially around here. Because <laughs> it's, it's a very difficult subject, isn't it? I mean. To put in this form of censorship and guidance, it's almost have a psychologist on the stage to explain things to you first. We're not children anymore, literally. Mm. And it, I, I actually find it quite insulting. A, a, a film is either a family film. How would you? How would you guys reclassify films? Um, I would. I think it's. Um... I think the idea of having a universal film, which is your basic sort of cartoons, uh, a film that's like a PG where you're saying that there's some content in it that you might not want your youngsters to see, so therefore it's up to you to decide whether you want to go and see them, or maybe even just having that UPG and 18, because then it's straightforward, isn't it? You've got kids' films, guided films for you to decide if you want your kids to watch it or not, and you have to be an adult to watch. (laughs) Excuse me for laughing, but you're sounding like Simon Bates when he used to be at the front of the videos. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true though, because we say that we we're not we're not kids, granted, Jimmy. But when you think of, I hate to say it, but the generation behind our generation, mm-hmm. then they're, they're not quite often not the sharpest knives in the drawer. No, you're so, right. You're right. Yep. Because of the way that the society and TV and everything and media has evolved around it. Well, I wouldn't quite call it evolved don't. in some cases. I mean, it's... Well, no, not evolved, but yeah, but you know what I mean. The way <laughs> things have, have moved on, we do kind of have to, to a degree, spoon-feed them what they should and shouldn't be doing, otherwise they are going to go out and do it. That's right, yeah. Um... I, don't, I don't know what your thoughts are, Jimmy. It, it's difficult. There's nothing... <clears throat> when it comes to... Um verbal stuff on the screen there's nothing that a child wouldn't hear in the street mm-hmm. uh sexual matters is a different world but there again you can't give them a victorian attitude they will learn eventually uh, i'd rather uh, i'd rather they knew first and then see that 
so they understand that what might be on a film might be slightly deviant in a way that what's it's um <laughs> not that. It's, oh, God. You see, what, what they've got to realise is what is on the screen is not reality. Yes, that's a better way of putting yeah, it. That's what, that's what Jimmy's, I think, trying to say, isn't yes, it? Yeah. To, the kids need to be educated beforehand. I, I'm all for educating them when they're at school and giving them what they need to know and so they can be smart, they can be safe, and if they're going to do stuff, you'd rather they do it in a safe place rather than doing stuff stupidly, but at the same time, yeah, once you've got through that education, then they can take that all on board, and then by the time they get to 18, they can do whatever they want for themselves, but they'll be able to make an informed decision because they've already had the education to support that. That's it. And yeah. maybe that's yeah. lacking. Maybe it's the education before the the film rating, and that's where why we've ended up in this problem. I mean, it's the same with video game censorship, really. Um, the, the, there's the people out there that say, you know, violent video games are causing children to be violent towards each other um, well no they're not because a, a violent a violent this is bugged me from when i was working in electronics boutique a violent video game is classified 18 mm -hmm. if you as a parent are buying an 18 rated game for your five-year-old child or whatever they are that's your responsibility because you should be looking at why that game is rated 18 and whether you think it's suitable we shouldn't be nannying you. We are in the two Greeks, we call it an 18, but then it's educating you that this game's not suitable to everyone. That's it. I mean, although um, there's a video that I've seen um, on YouTube where there's this uh, film of, well, to describe it, she's a pensioner playing Grand Theft Auto V. <laughs> I've heard about this video. <laughs> and she's got the video camera on, so you can actually see her actually talking through the headset yeah. and she's got an issue with British gas because everybody that she's either shooting or whatever is somebody who's working for British gas and <laughs> um, there's one bit where she sets light to a bloke that's on the pavement and she said I'll give you central heating and then <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite amusing to watch because you don't expect uh, she must be what 70 80 you don't expect her to be acting this way, but she's obviously had some problems at some point with British Gas members of staff. But she's yeah. found it therapeutic. <laughs> it does sound that way. Yeah, but that's the difference, though. She's doing that to, to vent her frustration, but that doesn't mean that she's going to go out on the street <laughs> and set someone on fire and say, there's your central heating. The best bit <laughs> is when she steals a helicopter and finds an oil rig and, and tries to blow it up. Uh, that's... that's... <laughs> I admire her for doing that. I mean, I get I only last ten minutes. So, <laughs> for an old lady to fly a helicopter is brilliant. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Garbage Pod. Visit www.thegarbagepod.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode of the Garbage Pod or TGP Extra. Just look for the Garbage Pod Show section in the menu. While you're on the website, why not have a nose about? You can find a little bit more about me and the rest of the crew and find out what's going on in the podosphere by reading the blog and much, much more. 
Let us know what you think of the show. Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com. Because your input is our output. Or you can use the social media icons at the top of the website, which include Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to subscribe to the show, you could do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and now Stitcher On Demand Radio. If you look on the right-hand side of the show's page, the blog, or even the video vault, you'll see a little button there that says Donate. If you like what we do, and you feel that you could give us a little something just to help us out a bit, we would be most appreciative. And don't forget, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you again soon. Take care. The Garbage Pod is a Spamhead production.